We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports is the Halloween edition, as you could tell from my spooky, scary voice that I immediately bailed on. Yeah, I had a Santa suit and a Jingle Bells thing of myself that I made, but I left uh, my, my hard drive at my apartment. It's it's actually a blizzard in, Wisconsin, in Madison, Wisconsin yeah. today. <laughs> so I just, just I was like, oh God, it's got to be Christmas already. And I, I got all dressed up for it and only uh, shortly before I came to the office i realized like oh no wait i mix it up it's halloween today yeah i'm wearing my frosty the snowman get up as well yeah so it's uh it's it's a insane day i'm kind of disoriented from the weather like i know people outside of here might not really take they might not have a, a accurate idea of what a blizzard looks like but they might think that i'm exaggerating the people who do know what it is but like we had a real blizzard blizzard and it just sucks outside and it's like i don't think anyone can trick-or-treat in this really yeah i would i would probably not send my my children out boots, there and then your costume looks dumb because mm-hmm. it's like it, it your costume isn't supposed to have uh you know modern united states 
boots. Yeah. And yet it's, I'm wearing my boots today and my socks around the office because I, I refuse to wear my, my, my boots don't fit, by the way. They're too big. So I just look stupid walking <laughs> in them generally. And I just don't like to I clomp around. I'm, I'm already low enough on dignity that I don't need to add that to uh, my look in the office. <laughs> it's a, yeah. So it's a special day here and we're looking at week nine. I do have a fun uh, week eight story to regale you with uh, before we jump into the meat of the show. What is um, it? So obviously uh, with the Ravens being off last weekend, I just kind of had, had a bit of a Sunday where I wasn't worried about football. It was a very relaxing Sunday. I went down to Chicago uh, for a friend of mine's birthday we were out at this place, Reggie's, over near Chicago or uh, over near Soldier Field. Okay. So I was front and center, uh, watching, you know, kind of aloof from it all. Uh, the the Bears fans having their internal crises about Eddie Pinheiro having to kick a field goal to end the game, and Matt Nagy's insane uh, just determination to not try to get more yards, more yards, making a closer field goal bad. Uh, kicking the field goal with higher degree of difficulty good and uh, it didn't play out well yeah I honestly can't really think of anything to say about that game because it's just crazy the the, everything leading up to it too it's like the tensions of that game of course weren't just limited to that game you could feel just like months of raging anger uh pent up behind this field goal kick and you kind of knew like it's not going to go in is it like the the collective rage of the bears fans pushed that field goal <laughs> yeah and it's, it was one of those the, the closer they got to the moment of kicking the more certain it's like l- leading up to that you're kind of thinking they might they might get out i mean it's a bad game by mitch and matt again it's it's been ugly but i, th- I think they're gonna maybe take you know, care they, of this they, and they then, can broncos game this yeah and then it's just you started to see it unravel not exactly slowly like it happened kind of quickly but the pace of the last few snaps being slow and it just felt like i don't know uh, screws being turned uh, you know teeth being pulled that kind of dynamic and then it just didn't go in and everybody at once like knew it was going to happen but they were so pent up with this like understandable justified frustration that it that it was still just like also unbelievable at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, being a kind of innocent bystander watching this all unfold in front of me, I have nothing against the bears whatsoever. And like, it would have been, it would have been cool if they won, like everyone would have been going nuts, but it was just kind of funny to just like witness this. This was the funniest way it could have (laughs) gone. Just, it goes, you know, the, the kick goes wide and everyone just, just absolutely deflates in the place. And, you know, just just the sound of everyone going, Oh, at the same time and like one guy that was especially hammered just like got up on a bench and just started yelling bears still suck we still suck and just they freaking out they should have done the reverse of the college football thing and storm the field and tear down the goalposts and protest <laughs> yeah get them out of here they're cursed yeah oh man so yeah that was a fun way to, that is a to good, spend week eight yeah. yeah that's a good like historical moment to have played a part in to have to have witnessed live like it's you can't really put exactly what was going on there into words and the the beautiful part of it is it had zero impact on me because i I don't really care about the bears so yeah you had just the entertainment value and like the the exotic 
optics of these angered and, and particularly like worked up Chicago fans and all wearing their Ditka jerseys. Yeah, it was just, it was more like a, surf, a safari for you. Yeah, 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 exactly. Blimey, look at these guys. Uh, so that was yeah, that was a great little little getaway from it. But I'm back to it in the most intense way possible this weekend when the Ravens play the Patriots. I'm I'm gonna need a room with padded walls for that one. So yeah, um, I'm a big Lamar fan too, but I'm kind of uh, I'm not getting my hopes up with that one. I'm not either. So before we get to that game and before we get to all the games uh, here in Week Nine, we got a message from our friends over at Yahoo. The NFL season is in full swing at Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will win you $1 million every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily... Fantasy football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. All right, so Mario, this is week nine. This is the week that I just told myself didn't actually exist during draft season because a lot of the teams and players that I targeted in my uh, in my season-long leagues have buys this week. So I'm, I'm kind of just taking an L across the board in a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of my uh, leagues here who are those guys i know this is a stupid question i've, j- I've only well, we, got the games have, that are happening uh, we got like Bengals, rams oh tyler uh, Boyd, saints um, cooper cup you had a lot of too right? yep a lot of cup um yeah all the tyler boyd in in the world um and who else uh, some falcons and yeah like i said the the saints as well so uh this is going to be an ugly week uh really cobbling it together but but i think we're gonna get through it that was probably my week seven when i had a lot of basically Buccaneers and Nick Chubb oh yeah um, yeah uh, that was brutal uh yeah I feel like there might have been an oh if Ben Roethlisberger hadn't gotten uh, Tommy John or whatever the hell it would have been also a juju bye week right like it, it I mean it was juju bye week but I don't care anymore because of how bad the offense yeah, yeah, is yeah, I haven't gotten my off. hopes up uh, ever since that injury uh but yeah that would have been uh, an even more soul crushing week and it was soul crushing for me uh but yeah uh, Luckily, I had the Ben Roethlisberger elbow injury to 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 lessen the psychic thud. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you got that out of the way a few weeks prior. There, you'll like getting it over with. Next week, you're gonna kind of feel like you. Uh, I don't know. Just oh, like, I have real teams. Like a cold now. just went away overnight. Like yeah. that kind of thing. Very excited for that. But this week could get pay. a little dicey. Um, so let's start out in London. We got the Texans facing off against the Jaguars. Uh, Texans one and a half point favorites in this one's over in over in London. It's the early morning game. Uh, should be pretty crazy. I think this is this is a good matchup. We're actually giving London a real live, actual quality NFL game. Yeah, and uh, by the way, do you know is this happening every week now? I just assumed it was. They going cut to them stop. off. They cut them off probably by week eleven. I think the latest you can have a bye week is week twelve. But okay, I don't know how many more they're doing. See, I'm sick of this. I actually don't, I don't like this, and I I didn't. I know that this is stupid of me because it was, a, I'm sure, a, a media topic when the schedules were announced. But I just assumed there would be one, and it keeps happening. I'm like, really? Every time I'm surprised. Uh, anyway, like you said, this is a pretty interesting matchup. I. I never know what to make of the actual travel effects. I I want to talk about the matchups basically while also having to acknowledge that maybe they don't mean as much or they don't mean the same things that they usually do because of the travel variable. I really don't know, but looking at it, um, I mean, I'm ex- I'm expecting Will Fuller to sit again. He might have been declared out for all I know. Kenny Stills was disappointing last week. 
I don't think it was a meaningful uh, sort of disappointment. I think it's just the kind of disappointment that can happen to a wide receiver to in an offense that already has DeAndre Hopkins in it. That's pretty much the only meaning I'm taking away from it. So I think Stills over a bigger sample will be more like the player that he's supposed to be because he's basically been that player for seven years now. And one game is infuriating, but I think it basically uh, is one of those things where going into we probably put too much pressure on uh, basically his ability to resist regression because he, even after that dud game, he's still averaging 13 yards a target, you know? So it's like if he had had a good game there, would he be averaging like 15 yards a target with some stupid, obviously unsustainable catch rate? Sure. And I think it probably would be yes, but still frustrating because the matchup is great. The matchup in this case is a little harder to tell because like Trey Herndon had a really good game last week at corner, and he seemed to almost be following around Robbie Anderson. I don't know if they're doing a shadow scheme with uh, Herndon and Bouye, the at the start of the year we're playing on like one side for the most part and uh the past few weeks they've been playing about an even split on the left and the right i don't know why exactly but uh dj hayden might be out and if he is then that'll definitely test the jacksonville corner depth because uh one of the guys they called up i already forgot his name but he's an undrafted practice squad guy out of appalachian state who has just kind of like really poor workout metrics and then the other um also some guy i can't remember duke corner undrafted so basically like two practice squad types i uh, don't know if dd westbrook will be in better shape than last week but he's practicing more this week so you know hopefully he can do more and if he can and if the jaguars can put a lot of like four wide sets with a uh, you know dd westbrook and keelan cole rounding out the the downfield threats posed by chark and conley they might be able to take advantage of uh Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm mix. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry. I'm mixing this up. Uh, the Houston guys should be able to take advantage of that Jacksonville um, weekend corner depth. And okay. on, the, on the other side, uh, yeah. I, th- there's also injury situation. Uh, Jonathan Joseph is back at corner for Houston, but Lonnie Johnson might be out with a concussion. So Gary and Conley is going to have to play like a new position because he was playing Jonathan Joseph's position last week. So there's a lot of turnover in the Houston secondary. Like he just got there already. So it's he's already up against it. Yeah. So basically we should have between the turnover and the respective secondaries, we should have nice matchups for some of the more important uh, receivers. And then when you have quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson and Gardner Minshew, you generally feel like you can take for granted that the quarterbacks will take advantage of it so uh barring weird pass rush stuff or just kind of schematic changes that no one saw coming and that you know maybe causes one of the offenses to struggle for a half or something it seems like it should be pretty favorable for both passing games i think so too and what do you make of uh, this projection here for leonard fournette because he's going up against a houston defense that maybe hasn't been uh, lights out against the run and now that they're trying to make do without jj watt the rest of the season that's a, which is a huge loss yeah it's just a lot of turnover to throw into already dealing with the travels and you know maybe they hold it together they still got some decent players back there but that's just a lot of strain on them as a group and I don't know. It's like we Gardner Minshew had a couple rough games there, and I think he still has kind of not necessarily limitations is the right word, but uh, like vulnerabilities. Like he could have had a couple intercepted passes last week, and he still isn't doing the greatest job of sensing pressure. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of feel optimistic because the Houston defense being kind of defanged at this point, it'll make it harder for Minshew to fail. And as long as he does 
pretty well, then you expect uh, you know them to move the chains and give Leonard Fournette hopefully the scoring opportunity that he's badly due for. And I, you know, with all the turnover and the travel, I don't see why this week uh, makes any less sense than another. I think it's got to be probably a totally good matchup for him. And uh, I guess he's probably not on the main DFS slates, but if you have him in season long. I would be pretty optimistic. I would get my hopes up. So outside of like the obvious guys that you're starting in this one, your, your Fournettes, your Watsons, your DeAndre Hopkins, of those guys in that next tier down, so your um, your DJ Charks kind of included in that one too. So like a Chris Conley, a Kenny Stills, um, the the Houston running backs, are those guys greenlit for you this week? Yeah, I don't know what to make of the Hyde part of it. Uh, d- didn't he have a pretty good game against them the earlier this year when they played? I think I think that he did. I believe so. Um, it was yeah, like week two. Yeah, it's already been a while. But that Jags defense, they're beat up at linebacker too. Uh, like they were really bad at linebacker to start with. And I don't even know the name of this guy, but I can't remember uh, who he is. He had to start last week because Quincy Williams was out. And the Ryan Griffin touchdown, the first one, he just basically looked like he should not be in the NFL. Like it was a really bad play. So mm-hmm. linebacker is a weakness for that defense. So maybe Hyde has a decent game. I know they can't cover Duke Johnson, but we don't know whether Houston will try to use him in any particular capacity. So uh, with Darren Fells and and even Duke having a, a nice game last week, I do think generally it's likely to swing back toward Kenny Stills. It's just a question of when and how much. I think stills you can feel fine with as like a flex kind of play, not not in the way that you should take it for granted that he does a whole lot, but given given the risk that just comes with that category of player, you know, the acquisition cost being as low as it was, I think you know, you'll get basically what you could have reasonably expected. And then with Chris Conley, on the one hand, he can definitely get open deep on that Houston defense, especially if uh especially if um, Lonnie Johnson is out and it kind of just puts more turnover strain uh, on their personnel. But on that long touchdown that he had last week, that was actually kind of like busted coverage on Minshew improvising. So on the one hand, Minshew is great at improvising and can make plays like that happen than most players, but it still wasn't exactly by design. And generally plays will be more by design than broken and improvised. So uh, Conley is a peripheral piece. It's definitely going to chark and the slot receiver uh, a lot more on a per snap basis. Okay, so so Conley, it's more like if you're pinched on the on the bye week type of thing. Yeah, he's going to do a lot with his opportunities on a per target basis. It's just the targets don't come up that reliably. Like he's probably basically a decoy a lot of the time because they have to respect his speed at, at the safety position and. Uh, they can they can kind of make things easier underneath by sending Conley deep and just burning up routes, getting guys to chase him. Yeah, okay. So that, that is a good like kind of perspective on what his actual role in that offense tends to look like. Um, any other parting shots on, on this game before we move on? Not really. I hope both quarterbacks play well because that would make the game pretty good, I think. Yes, it would be nice to watch with my English tee on Sunday morn. Uh, let's move on over to the Bills, uh, playing host to the Redskins here. Uh, really, really low over-under in this one, 36 and a half. Ugh. Just cancel it. Just give <laughs> the Bills a win. No one cares. It's a bad game. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. Bill uh, Callahan and his just anti I think you'd have to call it like an anti-football offense. Like it's, it's just tries to end the games as fast as possible, no matter how much they're losing by, or just no matter what the circumstances are generally. So Buffalo, I mean, I guess if Case Keenum's out, you just say like Buffalo by a million or whatever. But if Case Keenum's in, I actually think he's the kind of quarterback 
who's a, a danger for a Buffalo pat, a pass defense like Buffalo's. And I think McLaurin is the kind of receiver who would beat them. But if it's Haskins in there, then I don't think anything's going on at all. Yeah, I we're gonna have to wait on Haskins. I think to yeah. to, uh, to really be a, a viable NFL option here. It, it, it's looking a little bit rough here. I don't want to pile on the guy, and I still you know stand by how I felt about you know his evaluation coming out of college. But um, it's learning the worst space he could have gone to, <laughs> yeah. and, or at least without Jay Gruden. Josh, there. Ro- Josh Rosen even feels bad for him. maybe i mean i don't know they're they're both in this the same kind of hell right now and yeah with haskins it just sucks that he went to washington because even as even as fans were kind of saying you know he's more tools than he is polish and he's going it's important that he gets you know favorable circumstances to develop under and washington is precisely i guess along with miami like the two worst two of the worst in the league certainly and then also uh the worst relative to other years going back a long ways it's like just because the dolphins are also in the league doesn't mean washington's situation isn't one of the worst we've ever seen um but yeah it's it's on the other hand it's like that's the kind of stuff that can ruin a guy's career it can uh maybe give him a complex or something could maybe just kind of rattle him the way uh even if you think deshaun kaiser was never going to be good you can see a moment when he's with the the browns where he kind of just cracks and loses everything that he had to begin with and that's the kind of thing that can happen um but in any case uh yeah i expect buffalo to i mean nine and a half is is what it is on covers right now and it's lowered from ten and a half i feel like buffalo is going to win by more than or at least more uh double digits i'm guessing okay and we, you know i think we just have a chance where washington is unable to you know get a, get much in the way of scoring chances i think that you know maybe buffalo's run defense is maybe it gets a little bit more cachet than it deserves right now i think people can run on them a little bit in last week's game against philly um, kind of a disturbing look for them um, so maybe washington can move the ball a little bit on the, on the ground but I, I don't see them scoring enough points to to cover this spread um at, going into the personnel on the washington side quickly on the defensive side of the ball uh, josh norman has obviously kind of fallen off a cliff at this yeah. stage in his career and someone that you've pointed to quentin dunbar making you know kind of an ascending player in the yep. league he's questionable right now so that that could lead to a really kind of dinged up secondary for a uh, for the Redskins going up against a guy in Josh Allen that can take some deep shots. Yeah, and I think John Brown would have projected fine against Dunbar, even if Dunbar is at full strength, because Dunbar is more like a Marshawn Lattimore kind of build and not, uh, you know, the 5'10", super quick kind of corner that you would ideally counter John Brown with. So uh, if Dunbar is limited going in or if he's out, then that does make the light all that much greener for john brown especially okay so keep an eye there and then anything to look at as far as this bill's rushing attack goes both gore and devin singletary have fine on paper matchups but the usage in this offense has been kind of weird i know brian dable i I still would say brian dable is doing a good job and certainly last year he was especially good but there have been a couple times this year where they haven't managed the running game in a way that makes much sense to me. Like, I'm sure they have some theory in mind, but the practice isn't working so far. They should give Singletary the ball more and because uh, he's been getting so many snaps without much usage and Gore is nothing worth, you know, he, he's great as a veteran presence, but you don't need to get him the ball in games. He's more so there to probably like instill culture. So uh, just give Singletary the ball and let Gore give everybody good advice or whatever. Yeah, I'm on board with that for sure uh let's move on over to the panthers going up against the titans battle of a couple of backup quarterbacks Uh. here um we got the panthers three and a half point favorites here going up against the titans 
I feel like this is a good spot for Derrick Henry this week. It could be. I I never know what's a even though I'm like a big Derrick Henry fan going back a long time, I'm just as helpless as anyone trying to guess when he's going to do anything in particular. Uh, I think he always does well with his opportunities, but that offense still sucks. So if they play decently on offense, the matchup seems fine. Like the, the sense uh, sorry, the, the Carolina defense, uh, not quite up to its recent historical standards as a run defense. And I think Henry is definitely good. So I like it from that angle. I just, it's it's a lot of bad memories already of this uh Rabel regime offense and just kind of feels like the the defense just like folds on the entire offense every time they run it and it makes Derrick Henry have to do heroic things to make anything interesting happen but maybe this is one of those weeks I, I definitely buy the the Henry part of it I think Tannehill had some pretty concerning numbers last week like they basically couldn't throw outside Uh, to the receivers and if you can't get Corey davis and aj brown going a little bit against those corners with tampa bay then i basically like i should have known this i I shouldn't have ever hoped for anything different but it's like Tannehill's the kind of quarterback who can only play well if the defense basically just completely screws everything up okay and uh, i don't think carolina's going to do that i generally think the zone coverages that ron rivera uses might be capable of confusing a quarterback like Tannehill. So if if the passing game caves in and they can sell out against the run, that would be an issue. But uh, from the other side, Carolina, I hope, can move the ball a little bit. Like, I definitely don't – as much as I don't think Kyle Allen is particularly close to Cam Newton when healthy, I also don't think Kyle Allen is as bad as he was last week. It's just the San Francisco – That was an impossible spot. Yeah, the San Francisco defense is insanely good, uh, especially in the pass rush sense. So if if you're in, like, your fifth – nfl start and you were undrafted guy who uh didn't he actually get like benched at houston too when he went there so yeah but for i believe dr king right yeah so so that's something um but in any case it's like just just the shock of how much the conditions changed and how quickly they did uh there's that's the kind of game that he needs to see once and have a chance to adjust to and uh yeah just the first time you see speed like that a defense like that you're just going to get rattled and thrown around Uh, i don't think the titans are going to be quite that good they're they're pretty much a competent defense maybe even above average when they're healthy but they're not uh particular oh i guess adory jackson looks like he's back this week he was out last week and that uh that was helpful for uh i'm assuming mike evans a little bit um but yeah i guess if they're both back um it's all on christian mccaffrey again uh i don't know if i i think uh curtis samuel against uh adoree jackson would be kind of a draw like that's the kind of receiver adoree jackson matches up best against uh but dj moore should be able to get open or at least at least you could say one of those two receivers should be able to get open like there's nothing uh so imposing about the tennessee defense that they wouldn't get open uh just need allen to kind of not be rattled from last week i guess which he could be he might not be i don't really know how to anticipate or maybe that. you know he drops back and has a clean pocket and he's like oh my god this is what that feels like again and then yeah he, it's he, hard he to know for him it's hard to know how these guys bounce back from like bad games sometimes a player is just kind of 
exposed permanently and other times they're they turn out to be good players with good careers who you know have bad games but usually bounce back and i guess this is his moment to kind of uh, make the case whichever way yeah so it'll be interesting interesting to see how he responds after last week's game and then on the tennessee side rounding things out when it comes to davis and uh, and brown i know that you kind of alluded to some concerns yeah. there stemming from Tannehill. yeah it's like i like both receivers a lot and if they had a good quarterback and a good passing game i would kind of I'd kind of be willing to test my luck against most matchups because I just think they could they can win even in tough matchups. But it's asking a lot between the, the competent defense that they have in Carolina and the probably poor, excuse me, quarterback play. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I also I, I love Johnny Smith as a player and a prospect, but I wouldn't really want to chase his production too much because they're using him almost uh, like a not a blocking specialist, but they make him block a lot more than some guys who are considered kind of like block prone type. They're basically using him like Kyle Rudolph or something. And that makes no sense because he's really fast and really quick and he's probably like 245 pounds. But if they just got him running routes, uh, he would be good, but I, I don't have faith that they'll do that. Okay, so yeah, like you said, not something to be chasing uh, even this week. Uh, let's shift over to the Vikings facing off against the Chiefs. I'm not sure that there's a line on this one yet as we w- continue to wait out and see uh, what Patrick Mahomes' status is for this week. Yeah, and I, I know he was in practice last week. I don't know what we can expect two weeks into a an injury that was a three-week prognosis after already having like a couple best case scenario things happen like it was three weeks was the best case scenario and now we're asking him to come back in two it seems kind of uh, at least aggressive maybe even kind of reckless i love I it when i have a best ball team that has patrick mahomes and then i've you know punted on any other quarterback and then my my last stitch quarterback was joe flacco so that oh, team's wow. done yeah Goodbye. and in that part of the draft you would have had either like flacco or darnold or, or uh, dalton <laughs> or um <laughs> Yes, yeah, something not Nick Foles hurt in week one. That those that's who your backup is when you wait that long, yep. uh, Mariota. But uh, anyway, I'd, I I hope McHolmes is back in the sense that it just is nice that he would be uh, healthy enough to play. But I also kind of am scared about rushing him uh, back. But in any case, Matt Moore um, he was okay last week. He definitely was better than he was in, in the game off the bench. So maybe he can kind of get back into the rhythm of when he was you know a a younger NFL quarterback when he was a totally solid, probably one of the best backups. Uh, I guess there was a time where he might've even been like a top 30 quarterback overall. So if he can get a little bit better, they might not need Mahomes in this game because that Minnesota defense is basically kind of vulnerable at outside corner, or at least they played poorly. I was hoping you would bring this up. I, I forgot to talk about it with you post Vikings Redskins game last week, but it's funny on Twitter when the the nation just suddenly agrees on something all at once, and it, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Like I wasn't aware that Xavier Rhodes was done or toast. Oh but, yeah, but all of Twitter was just like, "Yep, here it is. Everyone knows it now." Yeah, it's kind of a fun, uh, we odd thing to watch unfold because I feel like generally the the narrative around Xavier Rhodes is, "Oh, he's a lockdown corner, one of the best in the league," and for the for it to be flipped that quickly, and you know maybe that's just on me not paying close enough attention to the Vikings defense, but it still kind of jarred me a little bit. Yeah, he's struggling this year, and uh, PFF at least had low grades for him last year too. But it's weird that he, it's like he, I don't think he could decline. He's only like twenty eight. 
so I think it's maybe he's kind of got cornerback yips or he kind of just lost his composure and hasn't been able to regain it. I really don't know. Uh, but the results definitely have not been there. And specifically, uh, Tyreek Hill and especially Mecole Hardman, I think you could also say Sammy Watkins, those are three kinds of receivers that Xavier Rhodes never was supposed to be covering in the first place. Like he was, he was the kind of corner who was coveted for a while because of receivers like Julio Jones and AJ Green. And all of a sudden it's like, how, how are we going to stop these guys who are just a foot taller than all of our cornerbacks? And it's like, oh, six foot two corner. Have you heard? And like, that was what his sales pitch was. It wasn't like, are you tired of the Smurfs uh, getting open against your defense? <laughs> try a brandon browner imitation (laughs) see how it goes like that's not really what you want him for so it's it's already a bad off the bat kind of just uh skill set trait matchup for him and then he's kind of been you know unraveling basically since week one this year when he funny enough was pretty good against julio jones Wow, that, that's a you know an odd turn. Certainly one that I didn't necessarily uh, see coming. So do we do we like these Chiefs receivers this week? In that case, even with Matt Moore back there, I think given the urgency of the game and uh, yeah, the, the Vikings also tend to get worse when they travel uh, just all over the place. So I think if Tyreek Hill, Meikle Hardman, Sammy Watkins are running on roads, I think they're getting open, and it also wouldn't be surprising if Andy Reid just kind of cooks up a good idea i I feel like it's safe to say that actually andy reed would be very familiar with mike zimmer because mike zimmer if i remember right was the defensive coordinator in dallas back when andy reed was the head coach in philadelphia and so if andy reed remembers all that stuff and by the way andy reed tend to beat the crap out of them in those days then he might have a good idea of how to beat Zimmer in this one too. Okay, that'll be interesting to see a little in-game chess match between uh, two guys versed in different uh, facets of the game. On the Vikings side, uh, what are we looking at here? I feel like this, you know, Dalvin Cook probably uh, RB two this week behind McCaffrey. And I'd then... put him at RB one. Okay, yeah, yeah. So better. the matchup is that good, and Kirk Cousins tends to lose something when he goes outdoors and on the road and Arrowhead for whatever reason. I don't know if it's a win thing or mystical explanations of some kind i don't know but it just tends to make traveling quarterbacks get dirtier than they they otherwise would it just tends to make things uglier and uh if the vikings put too much of their offensive usage on cousins it could go very wrong whereas with cook i mean what's the worst that could happen you get 220 yards on 30 carries or something and you still lose it's like well if that happens that happens but uh, I think the way they win is by getting Cook going as much as possible. Yeah, I, I see him being the key to the game, or especially on the offensive side for the Vikings there. Uh, before we jump over uh, to the next game, uh, that'll be the Jets and the Dolphins. A huge matchup, of course. Uh, we got Actually, a, yeah. <laughs> we got a message from our friends over at World Fantasy Sports. Are you already knocked out of your survivor pool? I am. Do you end up losing early in the season, feeling like your success is mostly based on luck? Wish there was some alternative where you can use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses? Well, now there is. 
World Fantasy Pools brings you the first-of-its-kind game type, stat-based survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, you will use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve that stat line and you advance. Fail to and you will be eliminated. Be the last to survive or make it through all the rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round to achieve a designated stat line to advance and win. It's that simple. Sign up today and play at www.worldfantasypools.com. That's www.worldfantasypools.com. We also got a message from our friends over at Stash Invest. Your fantasy winnings are going to need a game plan. Put them to work on Stash, and you'll get an extra $5 to start investing. Over 3 million Americans invest, bank, and save with Stash, all on one easy-to-use app. On Stash, you can buy pieces of stocks and funds just $5 at a time. And unlike some other micro-investing apps, you get to build your own portfolio. Your Stash also includes access to a smarter, simpler bank account that actually works in your investment account and can help you save and spend smarter. Want to plan for a better financial future? Stash also offers retirement accounts and investing accounts for kids. Stash can even help teach you how to save and invest confidently with simple guides, articles, challenges, and personalized guidance. Stash is a financial home for all your money needs, and they'll even get you $5 to start and to invest in if you join today. Stash, one app, unlimited opportunity, investment opportunity, investment advisory services offered by Stash Investments, LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor, debit account services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. All right, Mario, let's jump back into the meat of week nine here. We got uh, the Jets going up against the Dolphins. <laughs> well, it's it's probably not a good game in the sense that we're probably not especially on defense we're probably not going to see uh any heroic displays but i think it could be a really nice game for fantasy purposes because just the defenses suck and especially uh the passing games of both teams should be able to get going the outside corners are pretty bad or at least they've played poorly this year for the jets and then brian pool the slot corner uh, conversely has done very well like i haven't heard any specific chatter about it but i wouldn't be surprised if he's like pro bowl or even maybe uh this is unlikely because he's on the jets but all pro he's having a really good year and that kind of forces you to or doesn't force you but it leads you to throw outside a little bit more than you maybe otherwise would and it's not like ryan fitzpatrick needed that incentive in the first place that's kind of just what he does so i think the way he plays sets up nicely for the way that the jets play and the way their personnel uh is situated and then whatever i don't i'm not going to think about the revenge game part of it because i just think the matchup is good enough and specifically like preston williams and Devonte parker should be able to succeed against those two corners on the outside and then if that happens maybe we get uh well i think the jets offense will be fine either way i should say first off but if if fitzpatrick has a good game then we could see kind of an upper tempo second half scenario uh, trigger in which case that those are often the settings that you kind of have like wacky end of game numbers that are that are way outside of the projection range so i'm pretty optimistic about everybody yeah when you're looking at williams and parker i mean they're two of the you know top guys in the in the league in terms of air yardage preston williams checking in with 718 uh, parker was 691 both of those guys average depth of target um, over 14 yards so i mean those guys are getting way downfield and like you said if 
this Jets outside corner personnel is as weak as as we think it is right now. Um, you know, we don't need a ton of or a ton of volume here if they just are able to connect on one or two of those deep shots, which is possible with Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, it could pay off really nicely. Yeah, and either way it goes with the with the Miami offense. I think it's clearly a uh, smash spot for Lavian Bell, especially because of the matchup, but also because it's basically a. Even without him actually complaining or anything, it's a squeaky wheel situation after Adam Gase basically took responsibility for not uh, not sabotaging the offense, but screwing it over quite a bit by not giving Lavian Bell the ball last week. And we usually, or at least I feel like with Gase, him saying that kind of thing sounds sincere. And uh, I expect him to actually feed Bell quite a bit in this spot where every touch projects higher for per touch efficiency than it would against any other defense okay so uh i think that that's that's words of encouragement that Le'Veon bell owners all across the land uh probably needed to hear and we we needed uh this matchup against the dolphins on the Dolphins side what do we make of their running back personnel this week you know with mark wall uh, i cannot credibly answer this question because i just hate all of, of the miami running not all of them i think miles gaskin is the best one and i guess that's specifically what makes me angry is like they're going to give to mark walton and kalen balaj instead walton's a lot better than balaj but balaj might be the worst running back in nfl history so i don't know how much that means <laughs> yikes okay so let, let's uh, i think that about wraps it up uh, for this game let's move on over to the eagles versus the bears um, I feel like of non-divisional matchups, the Eagles and Bears play each other ten times a year for some reason. It's it feels like it, it's is it uh, is it too late for them to flex this to Thursday? Uh, <laughs> I don't think that. Well, I guess that 49ers Arizona is going to be ugly too. Uh, 49ers are going to just flatten them, but yeah, Bears uh, Eagles, especially these 2019 Eagles and Bears are pretty close to pretty much as close as you can get to a Tennessee versus whatever that matchup that we always get on Thursdays is like oh, Tennessee versus Jacksonville. Yeah. It's just like this, this really feels like it could be like a 13 to seven kind of game. And, uh, I don't know. I, I think the Eagles are clearly the better team. And as much as I, I think Matt Nagy may have been kind of driven insane. I think he might've driven himself insane. Cause he's doing things that are like, he's cracking. Yeah. He's doing things that just, aren't even really in character like it's, doubling and tripling down on on his bad decision making and then just saying like i'm not answering this and that uh very odd behavior yeah he he doesn't seem uh especially i don't know what the word he, he like you said he seems like he's actually cracking and so that makes him a bit of a wild card as far as his tendencies go uh the tendencies of the bears at large i think we can take for granted they're not very good uh the defense maybe it's not as bad as it was a couple of weeks ago but it's still not very good and certainly nowhere near the standards that it was accustomed to and then the bears offense david montgomery had a big game last week and uh you know it's, i was a skeptic of his but i thought a game like last week's was totally within his range of outcomes like it's it's uh the kind of game he's supposed to have a 50 yard carry uh, approaching 30 carries in a game and that 50 yarder buoying what is otherwise kind of like a three three and a half yards per carry kind of day yeah he never uh, had those 50 yard carries in college that's true and uh i don't expect anything in this game to be so favorable though i think that uh that that will probably be david montgomery's biggest game of the year and going into philadelphia their run defense which i believe in i think uh can shut him down basically to the standards that he had shown in the earlier disappointing games and i I expect something more like 20 carries for 55 yards rather than uh any 
50 yards on one carry. Okay, so looking at this Eagles secondary then, um, it's one that actually, I mean, the defense as a whole played well in a spot where I think you and I both thought that the Bills were going to be able to take advantage last week. Weather helps. Yes, definitely. But in this case, you know, we got the Bears. No one believes in this passing attack anymore. Is there like some tournament logic for some of these pass catchers or is it still something where it's like, as long as Mitch is the quarterback there, just don't bother? Yeah, uh, it's, there's definitely the tournament logic at the very least. And I think Allen Robinson has mainstream, like, not just... Uh, he's vi- actually awesome. Yeah, like, not just viability. Goodness. He's like one of the best receiver plays this week because uh, the the Eagles shifted their personnel quite a bit at corner last week. Like, they basically benched Russell Douglas, who was having such a bad year. Uh, Ronald Darby had missed like a month and was having a bad year before he got hurt. But he, if I remember right uh who is it yeah he replaced douglas in the starting lineup and jalen mills is still on the other side the slot corner now is Sidney jones i think last week was his first week playing the position so uh, I, th- I think the win must have helped because even as a josh allen hater i was i thought he could have played a lot better than that like uh he had he had a fine second half but the first half was pretty ugly uh pro- i would say even worse than his numbers uh would lead you to think and the, and the numbers were kind of disappointing so I think he will play better for uh for or sorry um I think that uh Mitch Trubisky probably is you know like the way Allen played last week is Trubisky's baseline like Allen's probably quite a bit better than Trubisky or at least I don't know maybe that's just recency bias but Trubisky seems worse this year than he ever was too uh like last year was ugly at times it's not just ugly all the time this year it's like a kind of ugly you don't really recall seeing before like it's really uh unprecedented how badly he's played but we also have that game two weeks ago where you know Nagy brain took over and they ended up throwing 50 passes or whatever and be, especially if montgomery can't get anything going and especially if if it's a game like uh you know they run the ball 10 times for 20 yards that might mean that trubisky threw it 40 times and you know with enough pass attempts a guy like gabriel or anthony miller can do something and their matchups i think are, are totally good uh, not just Robinson. It's like every corner still, even with last week's better results, even with the turnover at corner, they still seem vulnerable there. Okay. And Gabriel and Miller, I think, are both pretty good players. So, yeah, if, if Trubisky has one of his wacky box score days of just throwing the ball a ton, then occasionally he does hit his target and those receivers are pretty good but uh, i do love robinson in pretty much any scenario okay yeah definitely on robinson this week uh definitely have a couple fab bits at, bids out on the uh on those other chicago guys i just think maybe this will this will pan out against the eagles it can't secondary. get better yeah it's and again pinched with the bye week here and then on the eagles side let's get into their rookie running back a little bit here with miles sanders how has he looked in your mind obviously he had the big run last week and how does it set up for him this week against the bears well with sanders uh i think the book on him is starting to become a little clearer with time and i admittedly had some uh blind spots or at least like unknown parts of his prospect profile where i i put up a lot to production and a you know workout metrics i I pay attention to also but i kind of outsource a lot to those things and looking at miles sanders's production at penn state you saw uh, really poor numbers as a pass catcher and pretty good ones as a runner like not not anything outrageous but over five and a half yards of carry uh certainly we know he's explosive from tape but also the workout metrics confirmed all that but what this year has shown in philadelphia is is a little different than what he showed at penn state because uh, it's becoming clear i think that the targets he got at penn state were just kind of uh, low quality and in the backfield probably primarily 
Whereas with Philadelphia, they're getting him in space. And he's putting up these explosive numbers as a pass catcher that he didn't at Penn State. And I think it's pretty clear that they're getting him the ball in space, which in his success in that setting uh, explains that his struggles otherwise, including as a runner, he's struggling as a runner this year, is because of vision limitations, basically. Or uh, he, he maybe he sees the field fine, but he doesn't interpret it correctly. Or also... I should say or and because this could also just be a separate issue. He seems to hesitate when he's trying to read his blockers. And so if you give him open field, then it's just his athleticism takes over. And if he's in the open field, he can become elusive. But when he's when he has to correctly read the defense, he a takes longer than he should to do it. And B just doesn't get it right a lot of the time. Okay, which is why he looks so much faster and more explosive than Howard and still does less as a ball carrier. That's frustrating. Maybe, maybe, you know, with time, he'll he'll get things he could up in him so we'll see and then you know when it when it comes down to it bottom line for this week are you would you like start him in your flex yeah i think him and howard are two guys that are it's almost like the tevin coleman will fuller thing where you have to just be humble enough to acknowledge you cannot guess what they are going to do ahead of time and you should either just you know get rid of them or put them on the bench and leave them there or you should put them in the flex spot and leave them there and just hope that your down weeks at the flex spot are are accounted for by other guys that you're you know your stud players stepping up and then hoping that you know you just put them in the lineup in that flex spot every time so that you at least get the good games when they do happen yeah all right so that's some good general strategy there um, let's move on over to indianapolis going up against the steelers uh the steelers i would like to point out we're losing by two touchdowns to, yeah. the, to the Dolphins at one point last week. I, did, I just needed to say that. They're really bad still, and it sucks because I'm a Jalen Samuels fan, and yet it, as of today and as of this you know, press time, it looks like Connor and Snell are not so great of bets to play in this game. Mm. And so Jalen Samuels might have a three-down roll, even though he's coming off a knee injury himself, so m- maybe that's expecting too much. But I'm not getting excited either way because this Mason Rudolph offense is just garbage, uh, especially when they're not playing Miami. And I don't know. It's, I just I think the Colts are a well-coached team. And I think uh, as much as I didn't expect last week's game against Denver to be the, the last second lucky win that it was, I just can't see them getting beat by Mason Rudolph. And I don't think Samuels will have much room. I don't think the defense – I think the defense can shut down Rudolph while also not respecting him one bit. Yeah, man. I mean, we're looking at a Steelers offense that, uh, for the passing uh, portion of it, 6.6 yards per attempt. I mean, that is one of the lowest marks in the league. Only Jets, Dolphins, and then uh, the Bears have worse marks than them. Yeah, so I I think this is going to be an ugly game because the Steelers' defense, I I don't know. They have their weaknesses. Like, they probably give up big plays more than they should, but they also can cover a lot of ground and blitz and blitz well. So I can imagine it, excuse me, I can imagine it being a game where Pittsburgh somehow wins. I just don't think it's going to have much to do with the offense if they do. Right. Yeah. The the defense will need to come up huge in that one. But I mean, I think there's reason to be optimistic, even after Indianapolis, obviously, um, almost blew it last week against a a bad Broncos team. I, I think that there's reason to believe in this Indianapolis offense this week still. Yeah. And I'm sure the Colts coaches could have done a better job than they did last week with the game plan and it's like do you really want to bet on Frank Reich having a, a poor showing two weeks in a row it's one thing to bet you know this one week maybe he slips up this one week but betting on him slipping up twice in a row uh that I don't know that's just the kind of thing that I say for other coaches who don't seem as good I saw an interesting stat uh you know 
off off of Reich for a second and more on Jacoby Brissett. Um, I forget who tweeted this out. It might have been Scott Barrett at, at PFF, but uh, he kind of was listing the 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 quarterbacks that are most and least affected by the rush in terms of uh, yards per attempt when pressured and how much it it drops off or or not as much uh, when they're when they're clean and not not yeah. pressured. Uh, Brissett uh, his YPA only drops like two when he's under duress, and that's that is uh, I think the best in the league. So he really is able that's to make it work even with uh, guys in his face. Yeah, that's one of those things where I wonder how it ha- how it plays out with a bigger sample, but that kind of makes sense because i mean i'm sure you remember the nc state days with Brissett, like his best game i can't i think it was florida state uh but he had a game where he was just comically breaking tackles oh, yeah, just chucking guys off him like like little like all the like the defensive linemen and uh linebackers just look like toddlers on his shoulder or something and he's just still throwing the ball away just kind of like peeling them off and and scrambling some more uh, that kind of stuff he's good at. Um, but he definitely hasn't gotten the downfield game going very well this year. And I noticed that the Colts are playing with a much slower tempo. So when I see that, I see a general effort of, uh, you know, uh, getting out alive, you know, not just with luck. They they went up tempo because they knew like, oh, we can really pile on points this way. Whereas with Brett uh, Brissett, it's more like they seem to think, okay a good thing happened let's just cash out now okay yeah so they're playing cash games not tournament yeah they're they're uh they're not letting it roll when brissette is out there okay that is a fair way of summing it up um as far as these indianapolis pass catchers uh, is there any sort of matchups to exploit against uh, the steelers here i don't really think so maybe there is in the middle of the field just because i would imagine that the safeties those young safeties maybe aren't as beatable as hayden and steven nelson but hayden's gotten some kind of like poor pff marks the past month or so so um he's also i think over 30 now he was never a a fast guy i think he ran like a four five one coming out of florida so ty hilton should be able to beat him the question is whether brissette can take advantage deep slash uh you know will um will any of these other receivers step up i don't think zach pascal is very good he's had a couple good games but he has moved ahead of Dion kane for whatever reason in the receiver rotation which is something really surprising to me uh I, I thought they were using kane as a decoy but at least last week they chose not to and actually scratched him well you know just on its on its surface you would expect an old dominion receiver to outproduce a former five-star clemson receiver yeah and i don't know if there's because kane is a, is a he has a history anyway of being a head case i don't know if there's something else going on there but if pascal is your second best receiver i'm generally a little alarmed and i don't I think with the way Steelers blitz and the kinds of the parts of the field where they when they're bad, uh, like how they're bad, seems like an inconvenient matchup for Brissett because I feel like Brissett attacks the part of the field where the Steelers are usually pretty good, and I I don't know if I feel like they get, they give up the the long busted plays when they go badly, and I just don't know if Brissett's really the type of quarterback to take advantage of that okay so that all kind of clears it up in my mind as to why indianapolis is only a one point favorite even on the road here i I would have expected closer like two and a half or three yeah and on here it covers it says it opened with pittsburgh favored by two and a half which i totally understand like even that i i don't know I'm, i'm just i guess if i had to pick a side i would indianapolis but i just do not feel good about much of it okay i i still just give that that coaching advantage and and uh the way that the Steelers offense runs with Mason Rudolph back there is, is enough yeah. of a, uh, to give me pause inside. I don't want to pick Indianapolis either one. Yeah. yeah, that'll be a tough one. Certainly not one of our best bets for the week. Uh, let's move on over to Oakland versus Detroit. Oakland, home game for like the first time all year. 
yeah uh i don't know what to make of them i I, I I think like we know Carr won't throw a ball throw the ball downfield, but I don't know what else we can really take for granted. If if Josh Jacobs is healthy, he's playing really well as a runner, and Detroit probably more vulnerable to to the run than the pass. But even against the pass, they've kind of been shown up in recent weeks because they don't have a pass rush, and it's like oh great, Darius Slay and Justin Coleman are covering your guys pretty well for three seconds. What about seconds three through eight? Mm-hmm. And it uh, turns out, it, you know, if, especially if good receivers like Thielen and Diggs a couple weeks ago, uh, they will overrule two good corners if the pass rush never makes the quarterback throw the ball. And so you, you look at, uh, I don't know if Slay is going to play this week, but it's like Tyrell Williams would probably see him a lot. And you would generally worry about Carr uh, being able to get the ball to Tyrell when he's going against a good corner but i don't i don't know how much uh i don't know how much Derek carr would be in position to take advantage of detroit's poor pass rush like if you wonder why does Derek carr throw the ball so short why is he so afraid to go deep it might not have an answer that has anything to do with pressure it might but it might not so uh, him having forever to throw might not necessarily change the way he plays and if he doesn't change the way he plays then uh, even if they have to take a long time on a play then you know slay and coleman can cover easier when they don't have to worry about a 30 yard you know leak route uh taking them downfield like i, I just think that uh cars the way car plays suits the weaknesses and strengths of the lions secondary and i just i can't get my hopes up that high even though i do think you can take for granted that he won't be rushed a whole lot okay so so bottom line here the the way that the lions can be beat the Raiders aren't necessarily equipped to do that. Yeah, and you still feel really good about Waller just because of the kind of year he's having and the kind of year the other tight ends aren't having. Uh, And also, I think Tyrell, I mean, he has a touchdown in every game. It's like maybe he's not going to give you 30-point upside, but even by, if necessary, garbage time, he's shown the ability to meaningfully help you even on his worst days. Okay, and then let's flip it over to the Lions' side. I need your takes on the backfield, man. I'd, I what what happened? <laughs> yeah, I maybe I missed something, but don't you think that all the coverage, including like the coach quotes with the Lions, said that they were for sure going with Ty Johnson as the starter yes. and then McKissick as the so yes. basically they tried to pull a fast one on everybody, and you know it worked. I did not see that coming. Trey Carson, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's it's totally unreasonable that they would give the ball to him because even if they were trying to do some. You pulling a fast one with Ty Johnson and JD McKissick. Why are you cutting a guy like Zach Zenner to make room for Trey Carson? There's nothing to evaluate with Trey Carson. He's a practice squad player. He's mm-hmm. he's your backup fullback if you need one for whatever reason. But there was nothing to. It wasn't like, well, let's take an opportunity to see what Trey Carson can do. You already know the answer to that question, and you also know that the answer is less than what Zenner can do, less than what C.J. Anderson could have done. So it was just the most dumb you could possibly cram into the whole situation impressive yeah and and what do you know carson sucked he wasn't i can't believe the guy who runs like a four eight and uh whatever average like five yards a carry in college that that's fine number but if you're running a four eight uh you need you need to do better than that it's like there must have been a million practice squad runners in the league that would have been a more interesting uh you know test subject in that game so are we like back to pre carry on detroit at this point where it's just like the, the running back just doesn't exist there yeah i mean for fantasy even joik bell is a lot better than trey carson is so i'd 
don't see any hope there also the raiders are generally better against the run than they are against the pass so it it should be a fine day for kenny galladay and marvin jones or at least in in terms of the matchup it's about as it could be better but it also could be a lot worse and if they struggle to run the ball which you might have reason to think they'd struggle to run it even against a bad run defense with how especially if they're giving carson more carries it's like they're not doing anything with carson so they got to do it by the air then okay and then looking at at the pass catchers obviously galladay you were right on the on the bounce back last week and that that definitely was uh yeah but still (laughs) uh up to the uh the dfs outing on sunday that was great um but do you like danny amendola a little bit this week I, i put out some bids on him this week in season long sure i mean we 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 have enough issues between buys and injuries and uh, our botched picks, whoever they might have been, <laughs> that a guy like Amendola is useful to somebody. Uh, I don't know whether I don't know whether there's something in terms of the matchup to specifically like. Lamarcus Joyner has bad grades from PFF this year, but he has really good ones in the years before this. So you can either figure, you know, he's been shown up like he was a product of the system and and with uh, the Rams, or you could say maybe he'll improve over the course of the year. I don't know which is more likely, but he should be Amendola's main assignment. And uh, I mean, Max Stafford's working really well with Amendola. There's no doubting that. And when Amendola gets the targets, I think he's come through every time this year. It's just the targets that we we don't know uh, how often they're going to have. I guess I guess I'll say I'm a little more optimistic than I would have been uh, if Carrion Johnson were active. Like that running game being bad does help Amendola and TJ Hawkinson, I think. Okay, th- I think that's the key uh, sticking point that, that could boost up Amendola into a startable uh, type of context here. Uh, let's move on over to the Seahawks going up against the Bucks. Uh, Mike Evans also bounced back big time, big time last week. Yeah, that was good. Uh, that, that, that was that was the one that I was actually right about. Like every Kenny Galladay was probably like the free space and bingo, and and uh, Evans was not that highly picked last week. But I and I don't know if this is for sure the reason why, but it's like Dory Jackson was out and Malcolm Butler runs like a four six five, you know, and Logan Ryan's a, a way better corner uh than malcolm butler so it should have been easier to throw to evans and it was i don't know how this particular matchup uh shapes up as far as that goes because um with with seattle so far anyway the deal with seattle has been whoever's running against trey flowers is getting open and whoever's running against shaquille griffin is not and so with that the question of evans's viability um mostly not entirely but mostly comes down to just like who's he running against and i think uh, i'm trying to pull like I, I haven't done my full uh uh um cornerback matchup thing yet but send me trey flowers man yeah trey flowers is who we want covering him but it's it, the thing is uh mike evans has pretty even left right splits the, the it's tough to know what to do with something like that though because if you want to be generous to bruce arians and byron Leftwich, you would say well maybe they'll notice that the guy on this side is way worse than the guy on this side and they'll shed their tendencies up to this point to take advantage of that because that would be easy to do as far as i know seattle doesn't move griffin around so tampa should be able to put evans against him pretty much whenever they want the question of whether they will is a different one and i'd I'm pretty disheartened with the way they're running that team, so I don't want to take for granted that they would do that. But the other thing with Evans, and this wasn't quite the case last week, is that Chris Godwin has a really good matchup because he should be running against Jamar Taylor. Whatever goes on with Griffin and Flowers, Taylor should be Godwin's main matchup uh, as far as corners go. As in, if it's not Taylor, I think he's running against just linebacker zone coverage. Ooh. So, um, which 
which might be a better option for Seattle than leaving Taylor on Godwin because Godwin's just beating him. If they leave uh, Taylor on him, they might they might want to go with uh, like zones to offset the to try to just contain him rather than uh, shut him down. And that that would be one way to do it. So uh, Jameis Winston has no excuse for failure here because Godwin should have a good matchup no matter who it is. And Evans, if especially if Arians and Leftwich have any insight at all, could be running against Flowers a lot, and neither corner can stop either receiver. Not not uh, not stop. Neither corner can contain either receiver. Okay, all right. So things potentially looking up for those Bucks pass catchers once again. Uh, let's look at the Seattle offense here. Those the Bucks run defense is really really good. So this yeah. you know sets up poorly for Carson. I think it. It does in the uh, rushing production, and I guess from scrimmage production too. It's not it's not great, but I think in season long you still feel totally good about starting Carson because, particularly if Jameis has one of his uh, especially dumb games, then short the, fields. Yeah, those touches could be occurring from on average like the thirty yard line of Tampa Bay's or something like that, and especially if Carson gets up over twenty carries, and especially if the Buccaneers defense is set, uh, sitting on the field a long time even a good run defense can all of a sudden kind of just unravel especially if Carson's you know breaking a lot of tackles and wearing them down so I don't know whether I'm going to go at him in in DFS it definitely wasn't my first uh inclination when I was taking a a first look this week but I think in season long he's still you can make a case that he's like a top five-ish and definitely I think he's a top eight kind of running back uh, without adjusting for DFS price. Okay. Um, I was just giving a shout to the to that Bucks. Oh yeah, it is defense. good. Though. It's actually really good. Yeah, and if, if Carson has a good game, I don't think it's because he ran for much yardage. I think it's because he had two he or three falls into the end zone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So uh otherwise Russell Wilson, what is there to say? Tampa cannot stop him. And we have we have him ranked number one this week, and I think okay. with pretty good reason. Yeah, and especially if they shut down Carson, because even even one half of the Seahawks throwing the ball aggressively is probably worth like six quarters of another quarterback. Hell yeah! So so that does uh, that should work out really well for him, and then uh, of course by extension, Lockett and Metcalf. All right, let's jump on over to the Browns, three point favorites on the road for some reason. I guess because they are playing the Denver Broncos. Uh, yeah. Boy, howdy! I don't know. I mean, it's I guess without jinxing with i hope i don't jinx him i should say uh nick chubb he looks good in the, i guess in this game because uh what else is cleveland going to do and it's easier to run on them than it is to have your receivers getting open against uh, chris harris so chubb has to have a good game if cleveland's going to win and are you out on baker for the rest of the season like I'm not, I'm not asking you if you're giving up on him forever but like i feel like i'm i'm to the point now where i can't have him in my lineups uh for for this year you can definitely drop him and you know reduce him to a streaming kind of player like i would definitely prefer darnold over the next four weeks uh that's partially because darnold has really good matchups uh but i still think baker mayfield's a good quarterback prospect i just think uh and this is a problem because i don't know the way out for mayfield kitchens just needs to be fired they should have fired him already I've, i've never seen I guess I've probably seen similarly bad teams, but not this kind of quite same sort of indignified level of failure. Like it's just pathetic how badly he's running that team, and he he just looks like an absolute oaf for it. So uh, they got to get rid of him. It's not going to work. There's something wrong with fundamentally with it. like his constitution as a coach. There's something. There's a fatal error in there, and you can't fix it. Nope. Um, but I do think Mayfield's good uh and i think this is the kind of matchup like if he has a good game this year the 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 remainder of the year i should say this 
kind of seems like a time that it should happen because it's not going to get much easier than Denver, even though they've kind of you know gained some composure since the first week of the season. I just think that uh, Brandon Allen is the starter, right? Uh, for the Broncos, yeah. Yeah, so he's one of those guys who I think could just be really unusually bad, and maybe that's kind of what bails out Cleveland here. Like maybe Mayfield throws only – 25 passes for 250 yards yeah i like the browns defense for like dfs or streaming this week yeah there's a there's a couple really good players on that defense and miles garrett is uh you know maybe a top five player in the league he's ridiculous yeah so um if those corners can get you know keep improving their health keep playing better you know just make sure Cortland sutton doesn't go wild then um you know as much as philip Lindsay and royce freeman are interesting uh, on their own part it's like if Allen's as bad as he looks like he might be then that just kind of makes it, it makes it a much more difficult task and and i think as good as they are Lindsay and freeman they're not good enough that they can carry just like a totally broken offense and it can get more broke is Cortland sutton benchable this week then uh, i don't think so because okay. even it's it's similar to to with flacco it's like flacco can finish with 150 yards and sutton could get 100 and it just would not be surprising at all okay so yeah just the the literal one bright spot he's of so that good. offense. it's it's awesome sutton, sutton is really good what a breakout from from him and you know what a year for smu in general they're ranked again for the first time since like the 80s they got a they got the game day matchup this weekend the trey quinn sleeper pick didn't come through but uh i think they'll take it yeah yeah yeah. uh trey quinn what could have been um let's move on over to the the packers and the chargers chargers circling the drain but i mean they got the win last week somehow the bears somehow outfailed them yeah uh, despite uh, their best efforts that was the other thing it's like that that nagy story being so insane deprived of deprived uh the mainstream narratives of really taking full inventory of the chargers and how insanely bad they are too in in end game situations too so like you know like i tweeted out like the idea of the bears needing a field goal late versus the chargers needing to hold on to a lead late that those are the two most like insane like bankable things over the course of time in the nfl and uh it was fun to like watch them go at it and see who could fail harder yeah it was it was bananas. That, that was like a they should make an nfl films like you know those those uh game recaps of ice bowl and stuff yeah. like that and they're like two titans faced up just do the same like kind of Nagy just like of, blowing a snot rocket <laughs> yeah just do all the slow motion of all the bad things happening and have the same kind of like uh, i don't know what that with that uh i don't know what the correct word is but the, the just like air of self-importance in the nfl films like old-timey stuff like do that for this game and and just yeah gladiators on the field yeah well not not acknowledging that they're failing the whole time but just showing all the footage and describing the events in the same tone as they otherwise would. I feel like that might be kind of funny. The symbols crashing as, yeah. like, as like Mitch, like, like, uh, turns the wrong way on a handoff or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's, Oh man, the sound effects. Uh, yeah, you can do a lot with that. Uh, even if you're not doing the whole game, maybe just do like a five minute okay. bit God, of I it. I love that. Um, but yeah, anyway, I think the chargers, even though it's out of green Bay, I don't think they have a whole lot of, uh, I mean, I guess they have hope, but I don't see any reason to think that they could close the deal because, uh, if Aaron Jones is able to play, then I think that Green Bay offense really is onto something right now. And them having an identity for the first time in probably five or six years is a big deal uh, in itself. And then the pass defense on the on the Green Bay side should be able to contain Philip Rivers, such that even if Rodgers doesn't have a good game, uh, Rivers hopefully won't outplay him. And then there's just 
I don't know. There's more help for Rodgers, uh, not just the defense, but it's like if Jones and Williams stepping up, and if Devontae Adams, I guess like I don't know how much we can take for granted with him, but he's supposed to return, right? Uh, I'm not totally sure. Oh, okay, I know he was listed as questionable, but I thought, um, but if he if he can be himself, that would really make me feel good about it for Green Bay. I guess to be fair, if Adams is practice out, Thursday, so okay, looking if, good with pads on. Okay, cool. So if he's back and he can be himself, then I'm like, okay, pa- Packers get the road win, and I'm I'm not too worried about the prediction. But to be fair, Rivers is still playing well, so he it's not like Rodgers can go in do terribly and get no help. I just don't expect him to. I don't either. Point. Like he is really rolling, like you said. I, I feel like the Packers have kind of they're, they're hitting a stride the way they did in like 2016 when they when they made the run in the NFC Championship game against the Falcons. Uh, similar vibes coming out of Green Bay right now, and the fact that they've looked this what this good basically without Devonte Adams for close to a month now um, has been really really impressive. So I expect the Packers to kind of bury the Chargers here. Honestly. I hope so. Three and a half points. I think they can do that pretty and the, easily. The Wizen Hunt thing I don't think is going to change much with the Chargers, except I I basically just imagine them wasting more carries on melvin gordon okay that that is one one last thing i wanted to touch on for this game because we, we have talked about uh throughout the course of the season that if there's a achilles heel on this packers defense it's against the run so maybe this is a bounce back spot for that run game a little bit i think so but i don't think it'll necessarily be in a way that affects who wins like i think i think gordon could get like 20 carries for 80 to 100 yards but i think if he does it might be because the packers have like a seven point win at the end and like maybe gordon got carries that should have been pass attempts okay all right so that 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 sums it up well i think for fantasy purposes and i'm a guy that has no gordon uh this year but i think i can admit at the very least that this sets up reasonably well for him yeah i think so but the other the real other risk is that uh they might give Eckler the ball and Eckler's better. <laughs> this is true. And I do have a lot of Eckler. So I, I do kind of hope that that is how it shakes out. But if you're a frustrated Gordon guy out there, I think you can still roll him out there here in week nine. Uh, let's move on to the night games here. Uh, Patriots three and a half point favorites on the road in Baltimore. Give me your takes. Uh, well, you know, I love Lamar Jackson. I'm a big fan of him and Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. I like the general structure of the Baltimore offense by design. I just don't think they have enough receiver talent to uh, against worse defenses than this. I think there's a lot of issues that quickly bubble up with the Baltimore passing game. And uh, I think you can at once say Lamar Jackson is not as good as he will be in a few years. And also say that it's not really his fault. It's like the Seth Roberts and uh, like Chris, Chris Moore and Willie Sneed is like, that's just, that's just putting a weight on your quarterback's shoulders and miles boykin has the tools to be a better player but it's apparently not quite right now do you think the ravens and this is hashtag topical uh josh gordon was released by the patriots this afternoon the ravens should take a look because they are just so bereft of talent at receiver other than marquise brown and mark andrews yeah i think there's a few teams that could use gordon and baltimore yeah they should get it because gordon and his game are the kind of you know that's the kind of game that works well with the the scheme and also lamar jackson's tendencies like those downfield uh down the seam kind of routes gordon's better suited by than you know a west coast offense Uh, so i i have a feeling that lamar jackson runs wild in this game i hope so if the ravens keep it close it's because lamar jackson runs all over the place and i think we might have caught a glimpse of what the winning formula for Baltimore right now looks like a couple weeks ago in Seattle, being aggressive, being aggressive on fourth down um, and just use it, using the 
distinct advantage that literally no other team in the NFL has, which is a quarterback that can move like Lamar Jackson and just have him uh, scare the crap out of the defense with what he can do there. And, you know, if the defense cheats up, you can hit a, pl- a pass play over the top to Marquise Brown, a guy that they didn't have in Seattle a couple of weeks ago. Is Brown back this week? That would be helpful. I, I saw he was he's limited again. So, okay. I mean, I think it's trend. Like Harbaugh was pretty confident that all the injured like questionable slash injured type of guys not the season ending guys um, but those types of injuries would be back after the bye week so i i'm expecting uh, brown to be in this week okay that would be nice that would be a start and uh one thing that i don't know about new england is like i think we know the past defense is great and as a overall unit they are great maybe historically great but i don't know how good the run defense is specifically because nick chubb even though i would say you know he's awesome and basically no one can do what he can he was breaking a lot of tackles in that game last week and yeah, you look past the fumbles he was awesome yeah Nick, it's like i i mostly explain this as because nick chubb is just insanely good but he was also kind of making those linebackers and most of the tacklers in general look not just slow but weak like he, he was juking them and when they got a hand on him he kind of just shooed them away and uh mark ingram while I don't think he's nearly as good as Chubb is also good enough and similar enough in terms of traits that I think he presents some of the similar difficulties as Chubb did. Yeah. He's near the, the top of the leaderboard in broken tackle percentage. So he's been a load to bring down this year and the Ravens, I mean the way that Greg Roman has this run game designed, I think it sets up really well for him. Yeah. So if uh, I, I can't really get my hopes that high for the Baltimore offense, but the way I can get some hope for them winning Uh, being at home certainly helps but also i don't think that the patriots offense is that good and the baltimore defense might be improving over the last few weeks jimmy smith is supposed to be back too i think so that gives them you know a lot of cornerback depth to work with yeah they made a couple personnel changes a few weeks ago and rather than actively having to deal with the turnover they're now at the point where i think it's just safe to say that the new options are playing a little better and now they're also kind of like getting into a rhythm with that personnel so it would be really nice if earl thomas especially could kind of like step into form the way they were expecting him to because if he can like him all of a sudden clicking is the kind of thing that could make the whole defense all of a sudden totally look different and uh this would be a really good time for them to hit their stride would would enjoy seeing that but from a neutral perspective uh you know we'll we'll see it's a it's an average defense right now but like you said it, the, there's enough talent there that once it does click it could um, be a huge different or a huge like boon for this team overall um, on the Patriots you know personnel side for fantasy uh, what's there to like here what can they exploit against this Ravens defense mostly Edelman and maybe James White if the Ravens get too aggressive with their blitzes but yeah, White could be a big problem in this one I do not like the Ravens linebacker personnel right. uh, so they could really just kind of bite off small pieces to to James White constantly and just keep nipping the Ravens that way yeah I think as long as they don't blitz too much and I know that they need to blitz some but uh, it's crucial that they're selective about it and that they make it work when they do because yeah if you if you get to uh, dependent on just blitzing to create pressure desperately then you will get just lit up by james white eventually like even if you think you're ready for it uh they're just so good at running those plays no one has really been able to stop them when they commit to that sort of game plan so you need to be prepared for the reality that you at best can contain them and if you get sloppy you will just lose the game for that reason okay um but yeah i did i don't know I, I i'm gonna keep some hope for the ravens but the one thing they can't do is let new england score early because if they have to start throwing the ball all game with lamar jackson that kind of takes away the rushing option that you mentioned is so crucial for them kind of just like getting some leverage on the 
Patriots. Like they need to keep the script where those run plays are viable. Okay, that yeah. So early in the game, uh, the defense will be particularly yeah. They need to keep the Patriots off the board there if they want to be able to kind of stay um, on schedule there. And then let's wrap things up with the Cowboys going up against the Giants. Seven points is a lot to trust the Cowboys with on the road, in my yeah. opinion. So I'm I, anywhere. I don't like the Giants that much. Uh, you know, as a team this year. But I mean, I give them a little bit more credit than that, especially with the way that the Cowboys, you know, have been so mercurial uh, for the better part of this season. Yeah, there's so many stupid conditions you need to ask for with Dallas. It's like you can pick them. In the Are they spread. playing well? Is, it, well, is it, their coaching stupid? It's quite literally like, yeah, who's calling the plays this week? Yeah. Like, is, is Kellen Moore running the offense or is Jason Garrett saying like, oh, slow down there, Cowboy. <laughs> oh, we, easy uh, partner. Around here, we, th- we run the ball 20 times out of the first 30 it's plays. second and eight and we're running that sucker. Nothing's worse than a third and long. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, you got it. You got to get four yards to make it a third and six instead. Yeah, baby. So yeah, if they're doing that stuff, then uh, you know, for all their issues, the Giants don't have like cowardly, self-defeating play calling issues the way Jason Garrett has for a while now. So uh, I do think though that Daniel Jones had a big game last week, and mostly just because uh, he has a lot of help and he he played the way he needed to, of course. But the lines don't rush the passer, and I think Dallas will at least rush the passer. And I don't think Jones is good enough in terms of reading the field or accuracy uh, to do great if he has to hurry at all. So I'm not chasing his numbers from last week in any way. Uh, in season long, you could do worse, I guess. But I still I would rather have someone like Darnold this week. And uh, I don't think Jones will have a big game. So Barkley needs to, I think, to match Dak, generally speaking. OK. All right. So that that sums it up on the Giants side here. I'm looking at the Cowboys offense. Green light for pretty much everybody. If Jason Garrett lets Kellen Moore run the offense, then yes, I, I don't think the Giants can do a whole lot. We saw what it what it looked like in week one, where they right. just absolutely blew the doors off the Giants. And I, I am a Dak truther, and I only get more stubborn about this, uh, especially the more people become withholding of praise and more critical of him. It's like, no, he's actually awesome. He's playing really great this year, and if Dallas lets him throw the ball and the, the receivers aren't getting hurt and dropping passes, then I think he's just going to probably... Uh, clean up here yeah I, I like this spot a lot for for prescott and company uh, that's gonna wrap things up uh, for today's show thanks again for listening to the rotowire nfl podcast brought to you by yahoo and yahoo daily fantasy sports Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.